Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. Oh, it feels so good to say that again. Uh, um, one day I will explain everything that happened and why we were in Detroit for so long and why um, we were in temporary studios for so long. But for now, let's celebrate um, being in our permanent studios and getting back to a semi-normal recording schedule. I say semi-normal. Um, I do plan on going back to daily, um, daily shows as soon as the news cycle picks up. Honestly, I, there's no reason for me to do daily shows when there's not daily gossip. Or, you know, there is, but it's not really that great, and we don't, um, and there's not anything I can add to the conversation. That being said, we have some good stuff today, including talking about Lady Gaga. So, our lady has really stirred up the conversation um, by posting pictures of three pumpkins on her Instagram. Um, she she posted these um, photos earlier um, yesterday. One is a white pumpkin with the word ghosted. Um, another is a, ja- a regular jack-o'-lantern with a cigarette um, drooping from the mouth. But it's the third one that has people talking. Uh, This one says, fuck this. And that in itself wouldn't get people talking. But she left a a cell phone out um, with some text on it. And um, a couple of people picked up on the fact that it said, a couple of people picked up on the fact that it said, stupid love. And this has fans buzzing that stupid love is going to be the next single from Lady Gaga. Now let's back up just a second here, okay? The last new music we actually got from Lady Gaga was from A Star Is Born. And while those were wholly original songs written and produced by Gaga herself, they're not technically considered Lady Gaga songs because they're for a soundtrack. They're, you know, they were commissioned for a movie in which she won an Oscar. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's really, really weird... To say that Lady Gaga is an Oscar winner. Not because she's not talented, but it's so early in her career. Like, who does this, who does this happen to? Um, only the really ultra-talented. We love, we love Gaga. We're happy for her. Um, fans have started to get a little anxious, though. Because they want what, they're, what they've labeled her new album as LG6. Um, they want it released already. And if if we're going by her social media accounts, 
it certainly seems as though Gaga is going to go back more towards her first album, um, The Fame Monster, and do some ruminations on fame. Uh, there was an Instagram post earlier uh, earlier this month where she said fame is a prison. Um, which sparked a conversation about what way, um, what, it sparked a conversation about what direction they could possibly be taking, uh, with the new album. So, if she's going the, if she's going that way, um, you know, we need to consider the fact that the fame monster had... Probably some of the best pop music um, that's been produced in the last 20 years. And yes, I'm saying that even as a Britney fan. Um, <laughs> I, I And Will's going to yell at me because I've said um three times and I need not to be saying that. But anyways. We... One of the most iconic songs from the fame monster... Was well, of course, Poker Face, where she's not bluffing with her muffin. Uh, but there's also Monster, which arguably is about date rape. As we know, Gaga was assaulted at some point in her life. And Everyone has always assumed that this was, uh, that Monster was talking a little bit about what happened and how there was already, there was a personal connection to the guy. Gaga herself, though, says, no, it's just how, you know, fame makes you feel. Like, these people act like they know you and, you know, they... They, they take your, they love you for you, until they dispose of you, or until they got what they want out of you, and then, and then they just basically sexualize you, which is kind of surprising because I thought it was the opposite way. I thought they would sexualize you first and then started to love you for you. But what do I know? I'm not famous. So, now we're left wondering, is there Gaga music on the way? She hasn't confirmed, but she she has confirmed that she's been recording, but she has not said how close she is to finishing, or if there's anything, um, if there's any music that is definitely going to be uh, released soon. But given that she probably, her record company probably wants something, because it's, she hasn't released anything since Joanne, which was two years ago now. So they probably definitely need some Gaga music to um, spike their bottom line. And I need to take a break. And I'll be right back. And I'm back. And someone who's not likely to make a comeback anytime soon, Lori Loughlin. So, Lori Lachlan went from Hallmark Princess, basically the face of Hallmark, 
to persona non grata because of the college admission scandal. We've talked at great length about this before. Um, we've also talked about her, how her original plan was to, her and her husband Massimo were going to um, throw one under the bus and let the other one escape unscathed. The issue here is that prosecutors have evidence that both of them were in on the scandal. And despite them trying to blame everyone but themselves, they're caught. They, they did something wrong. After Felicity Huffman served, her, served 11 days of her 14-day sentence... Lori Lachlan was fairly confident that she was not going to get a long jail sentence, even if she went to trial and was found guilty. Until this week, when the prosecutors actually added a charge, another um, fraud charge, to the list. And the new fraud charge carries a minimum penalty of 20 years, I believe, so, with, with this now, she's trying to figure out how uh, she can get one of those sweet, sweet Felicity Huffman deals. Here's the thing. Felicity Huffman got that sweet deal because she pled guilty. She admitted what she did was wrong, and she moved on. That's also why Felicity Huffman is going to have a nice comeback. It'll probably start very small, uh, a cameo or a, a guest arc, which will then lead to a, a more substantial, more substantial work for her. Lori Lachlan needs to realize she did bad. She she did wrong. Um, you know, right now she keeps telling people that she's the victim here, that. She she was she was duped by unscrupulous people into doing something illegal i'm sorry those eggs aren't going to hatch even without the recordings that the um, federal government has of of her you had to know that lying and saying your daughter was on the rowing team when she wasn't was probably at best unethical. At worst, well, fraud. And here, here's the thing: like I, I've never applied to USC, so I don't know what their applications look like. But I, I have applied to college, and they say right on their applications giving dishonest answers could lead to you being prosecuted for fraud. So, the the simple way not to get charged with fraud, don't commit fraud. Don't lie. And if you're going to lie, don't make it something so blatantly obvious, okay? Lori Lachlan, you are a... You are an actress. I... I expect better of you. 
So, what all this is doing right now, allegedly, is throwing uh, her family into chaos. Because now they're all trying to figure out what they're going to do if if they're going to be able to pull off uh, um, another plea deal. And the prosecutor right now is not looking to hand out any more. He's looking to go to trial. Again, they, in the very beginning, everyone was offered a plea deal. Uh, most of them took it. Most of them have, um, not all of them have been sentenced as of yet. I think I'm 99% sure that Lori, um, not Lori, uh, Felicity Huffman was the first one sentenced, um, from, from the case. And, you know, yeah, she got a sweet deal, uh, 14 days in prison, uh, probation for a year, and then community service and, and some fines. But you know what? At the end of the day, she's probably going to get off, that's probably going to be getting her getting off relatively easy. Not just in terms of what could have been, but in terms of how how much worse this could have gone for her you know you you look at it and this could have really gone sideways this could have really uh, flipped upside down and she let's say Hemant could have been in jail for a year uh, I still think that she would have got her comeback but that would have made it much more difficult and I I do believe that part of the reason why she got such a sweetheart deal is, um, you know, people were quick to say white privilege, and yes, I I do actually think that that played a part. But she humbled herself, admitted she was wrong, and genuinely, genuinely apologized for for what she did. And I think that really saved her hide. Lori Loughlin should have done that, but no. She wanted to fight and pretend like she was innocent. And you're not innocent. I cannot stress this enough. You are not innocent. There's nothing innocent about what you did, Lori Loughlin. But there's something innocent about me taking a break and coming right back. And I'm back. And... Let us talk about Carrie Fisher. Um, I should have probably waited for Will for this, um, but uh, he will get over it. (laughs) And I say he's going to get over it as I know he's going to be screaming at me. That's okay, though. So, one of the stories that started making its way around the uh, blogosphere this week is that... Marsha Clark said she had to ask Judge Ito during the O.J. Simpson trial for an early dismissal because she had to go get her daughter from school. And she was convinced that people were going to say nasty things about her and that she wasn't capable of prosecuting this case because she's a woman and she had to take care of her kids, yada, yada, yada. 
Um, Judge Ito, of course, gave her the 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 recess, and when she got back, there were um, a bunch of flowers from Carrie Fisher with a note that basically said, "I know how it is. I'm I'm there with you." And you know, we talk a lot about girl power on the show. We talk a lot about sticking up for one another and fighting for one another and all of that. And this is just a classic example of one woman stepping up and lending support to another woman. Wherever you fall on the O.J. Simpson debate, no one can deny that Carrie Fisher sending these flowers to Marsha Clark was just a sign of goodwill, just a sign of hey, you're in a terrible situation. I've been there. Let me help make your day a little bit better. And Carrie Fisher has a bunch of these stories. Uh, You know, she was just really a badass woman. Um, I wish I had known more about her when she was alive so I could have been a fan. And, you know, I loved her from from the few things I've seen her in, uh, specifically Family Guy. But there was this whole other... There was this whole other side that just is begging to be talked about, begging to be told. And we lost not only a a truly great talent, but we lost just a genuinely good person when Carrie Fisher passed away. And that's not something I say lightly. It's not something I say thinking, oh, you know, the family's going to reach out to me. Because I know better than that. I mean, we all know better than that, really. But if we're being honest with ourselves, and we should be, from what we know of Carrie Fisher, you know, yes, of course, she had her issues. She struggled. Um, with addiction. But more than that, she was more than just her struggle. She was more than just uh, a big bag of messiness. She was somebody who gave a damn, who wanted to help people. And frankly, we need more of that. We need more people who will send flowers because someone's having a hard time. You know, someone who will admit to having issues and whatnot, but still go to the set and just rock whatever script is. Or, and I, a lot of people didn't know this until recently, but she was a script doctor. A script after is basically someone who takes an existing script and punches it up, whether it's dialogue or action or whatever it is. Um, and there were so many examples of her being a script doctor with movies that, um, with some movies she didn't even have anything to do with. And she was not, I don't think she was credited on any of them. 
Because it's not, that's not what it was about for her. She wanted to help her friends. She wanted to make sure that the audience had a really good time. And she was going to do whatever she could to make that happen. <sighs> Alright. Carrie Fisher's great. We love her. And we love me taking a break. So I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. And last week we talked about Jared Pedeldecki and how he was arrested outside of his own bar for allegedly attacking one of his employees. And, you know, for the record, no one, literally no one came to his defense. I was actually surprised. I thought we would hear um, from his co-stars or um, especially Jensen Ackle saying, this isn't the man we know, like we need to hear him out, whatever. But literally no one said anything. And I think that's very telling that no one said anything. Um, especially given that they're going to last year. They've worked together for 15 years. Uh, I, I, like I said, I, I would have expected somebody to, to pop up with a defense for him. And nobody has. Um, but to be fair, not even he's come up with a defense. Um, he finally broke his silence, um, not to apologize, um, or anything of that sort. Rather, he just said that he was very sorry that he had to miss, um, the Supernatural Comic Con, and that he looks forward to seeing everyone later. Um, there was no mention of his arrest or troubles, uh, so far, the CW seems to be standing by their man. They have not yet... Uh, they have not yet um, canceled the Walker um, Texas Stranger reboot that they were working on. Now, here's the thing. It could be kind of early in the process. And this is not a like a Me Too movement thing um, where people need to be believed. As of right now, this is literally just a bar fight. And um, you know, this this was literally just a bar fight. Uh, so, and, and those happen. Uh, I've never personally been in one. Uh, but the, there's a story I just told the, the writing group. This evening, there was about three or four years where and I used to go to several prides a year, and at every single pride, lesbians would get into a fight and like chase me down. And it sounds very silly, and it sounds you know like one of those things. And it's such an Ed thing, you know. <laughs> like only I would raise the ire of lesbians enough for them to fight. Um, but, that, you know, that being said, bar fights are natural. I'm sure that at some point, um, Jared is going to talk to his employees, um, and either work something out or, uh, at the very least, I'm sure he's going to apologize to them, even if they don't continue to work for him. Which, you know, and that's valid. I would not continue to work for someone who punched me. I think that that's just one of those things. Um, this is one of those things that you, 
it, it's a given. It, it really is a given. Uh, I'm going to continue to watch this situation because, like I said, something doesn't feel right here. Uh, even worse, I expected there to be a ton of blind items about this incident. Um, and there's not been one. At least there's not been one on blind... Um, there's not been one on blind gossip. Uh, I'm going to check over Crazy Days and Nights and see if, if I've missed anything over there. But I don't think I have. I, this is just one of those really weird flux situations where... Uh, either my gossip senses are off or um, the shitstorm is about to hit in a very big way uh, later on. And, and let's me be clear, this is very possible that the shitstorm is, is on its way. Uh, again, the co-star is not speaking up for him. I think is... Probably the most telling. Uh, that that tells me right there that something uh, something is just not sitting right with them. Um, I, there has been some suggestions, and this happened right after the arrest, that he has a drinking problem, and it's been widely known for a little while, and that they were the hope was to get him through the end of supernatural. Um, take his hiatus, put him in rehab, and then get him in front of the camera for Walker, Texas Ranger. I don't know if that's still the plan, um, but my guess is it probably is. Uh, they had reduced the number of episodes of Supernatural from 22. Actually, um, I think Supernatural was actually producing 23 or 24 episodes per year. And uh, they reduced that down to 18 Seeing as this is the last season, I don't foresee them reducing that episode count anymore. And obviously you can't have Supernatural without one of the two brothers. But, I can see them um, coming to an end with production. They probably are fairly close to um, at least a halfway point. Uh, So, they could be shutting down and um, getting Jared into rehab as soon as the end of this month. Because I believe Supernatural usually takes an extended hiatus. So, again, th- that would not be a shocker to me. But I'm going to keep an eye on all the gossip. And as always, I will bring it to you as soon as it happens. I'll be right back. And I'm back. And uh, it's our first writing session, or segment, of the new season. And... There's really nothing fancy or new coming. Um, to be honest, I I was trying to come up with something to talk about. Um, we I feel like we've covered a lot of everything. But then I ended up having a conversation uh, with a friend of mine last week. Um, and he kind of put a bug in my ear. Uh, and we... And, We've we've talked about this topic before, but I think it it warrants a repeat. And I also believe that uh, not only does it warrant a repeat, but it, we can go a little bit deeper, um, especially now that I understand a little bit more uh, what what needs to be done and why. So this is kind of 
this is kind of money, kind of writing, and it's just very drunk gossip. <laughs> All right, so what my friend and I discussed is he's um, he's been writing a book, and he first told me about it last year. And I, I really loved the concept. I loved what he wanted to do. But I told him that it seemed like two books. Um, there was, like, the personal travelogue memoir part of it. And then there was a how-to guide. And he wanted to put the two together. And far be it for me for to tell anyone what they can and cannot do. Uh, but I doing putting those two genres together... I feel is kind of difficult. And honestly, that's putting it very, very nicely. Um, so, he, he ended up traveling most of last year uh, after we hung out for a little bit. And when he came back, We ended up, I, we kept making plans and the plans kept falling through for various reasons, of course. But we, we finally got together and we started talking and he told me that I was absolutely right. And, but then you talked about what happens after the book. And that's kind of where I've always been stuck. Like, of course, you want the book to hit and be a big seller. Um, and we're going to talk about some of the suggestions he gave me for not only this podcast, but for, for my books down the road. Uh, probably next week or the next episode. Uh, and speaking of which, I do want to just address this real fast. Yes, Drunk Gossip is usually a daily show, but the news cycle is so very slow right now. I, I can't... I can't talk about Miley Cyrus kissing someone new every five minutes. I blew my brains out. So, I'm bringing you episodes as fast as I can um, with original and engaging content. Uh, I would rather do that than burn myself out searching for stories, trying to be interesting... That being said, Will is going to help me um, find some true crime stuff because I there are a lot of true crime, uh, a, a lot of celebrity true crime stories that I'm just fascinated by. We have two locked and loaded. I, I feel very confident in both of them. Um, th- those will be recorded later on. And, of course, there's uh, blind items, which we're going to get back into. Uh, So just bear with me as we kind of weather this lack of gossip um, storm that we're kind of in right now. It's not going to last for long. As we head closer to Thanksgiving, I guarantee you we'll get some juicy gossip. But back to our regularly scheduled segment. Uh, We talked about what happens after the book. Now, most people, most nonfiction writers, especially when they're writing a business book, 
will try to launch... Not try to launch. They will use that as a launching pad for for their business. Um, and it'll, they use writing a book as the ultimate cachet. Like I literally wrote the book on this. Uh, I I literally did that um, with social media marketing because I I wrote the book. Uh, and Amazon just would not publish it for the life of me. I kept trying and trying and trying, and they they just refused. Eventually, uh, I just gave up, and my friend suggested that I try again, change the title, cha- um, refresh some of the content, and see if that works. So. What do you do once the book is published? You know, you, you'll suddenly have that cachet of, I'm the expert, I wrote the book. But, what does that actually mean? What does, what, how does that help you? Because if there's no other way to launch into a, if there's no other way to launch into a revenue stream, or launch a new revenue stream, all you've really done is... Created a, I mean, you've created a product, which is amazing, but you've gone through the, the trouble of making yourself an expert for no reason. So we talked about uh, possibly some of the ways you can make more money uh, and open up more revenue streams. Um, and the biggest of which was we t- talked about online courses and, and teaching courses... Uh, in person, you know, there's Udemy. Um, I forgot what the split is. I think it's a 70-30 split. Uh, but, you know, you you charge 10 bucks per pop for your class. You record the video one time, or videos one time. You know, let's say the first class has 100 people. You charge 10 bucks. That's a thousand dollars. Seventy thirty split. Let's say you get seven hundred of that. That is an amazing split. That is so so amazing. And here's the thing: you're not gonna just sell it once, or you know, you're gonna constantly have that money rolling in. Teaching the class in person is a little bit more difficult. But, again, it gives you more cachet. You, uh, you are more visible. Uh, another, another thing we talked about was traveling and um, having speaking engagements, which is something that I've honestly been trying to work on myself. And, you know, there's so many amazing things about uh, having a speaking engagement, most of which is you get to promote your book. You know, you can sit on a panel, you can whatever. And we were talking about a lot of times they'll give you a table for free or at a really reduced rate uh, if you'll cut your fee. 
And if the goal is to sell more books, <coughs> then that's perfect. And the goal is always, at these conferences, you always want to sell more books. I went to the Writing Digest conference, and every author had their own table. But more than that, more than that, there was a big table of books, and every author had a bunch of books on there, too. And, again, that's kind of what you want. So you want your royalties from your books. You want to be able to write articles, so you'll you'll have royalties from the books. You'll have the um, article royal or the article money, and then money from your courses rolling in. And that's how you start to get these income streams coming in. And that's how you build enough to be able to sit back and just write for a living if that's what you want to do, or record or whatever it is that you want to do. That's how you get there. It's just about putting in the work. And speaking of putting in the work, I'm going to go see if I can drag Will to join me for our last segment of the, of the episode. Get ready for Talk, everyone. I'll be right back. And I'm back. And I brought Will with me. He was kicking and screaming right, and yelling at me. stop. Retire this joke, please. It's not funny. I volunteer to host these things. He really does. And... And you guys need to know, he actually takes this very seriously. Much more seriously than I take it. I take everything more seriously than you take it. <laughs> Damn, I can't catch a one here. Welcome back to Politalk, ladies, ladies, and gentlemen. We're recording this one in a deserted street-side cafeteria because somebody forgot to reserve us a recording space like usual. It's not my fault I got busy. Is it? Aren't you literally the one who... Didn't you explicitly tell me that you wanted to pick out spaces for us to record? You're the producer. You're supposed to tell me. I'm just the talent. The cute, you, cute talent. You you can't blame me for something that you said you wanted to do. Of course I can. That's what Ed does. Yeah, okay. Anyway, we ended last week's episode of Talk by revealing that Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, ISIS leader and extremely wanted individual, had been killed in a raid in Syria by U.S. Special Forces. This was obviously great news for everybody, basically. And it was also pretty decent news for Donald Trump, who'd been really lacking in, who's been really lacking in popular support lately and could really have used a little bit of goodwill. Naturally, he's set to work squandering that goodwill as quickly as physically possible. As one does. Almost immediately after the raid, Trump claimed that Baghdadi had died crying and screaming like a coward. It appears that... And he caught flack for basically making this, this detail up. His view of the... Op- his camera view of the operation did not have an audio feed... And his officers at the Pentagon have contradicted his testimony. Furthermore, it emerged recently that Trump's, that Trump's actions in removing U.S. troops from Syria had actually significantly hazarded the raid, and that, those in, and that the officers and operatives in charge of it had been forced to move up the schedule significantly in order to carry it out on time. Trump claimed full credit for the operation, and did not acknowledge the work of other countries who provided us with intelligence, namely Syria, Syria, 
and specifically the Syrian Democratic Forces, i.e. the Kurds, who actually initially got hold of the mole who would reveal Baghdadi's location. That mole is obviously, his name has obviously not been released for security reasons, but apparently it was a member of the inner circle who started to turn after an ISIS raid killed members of his family. So, you know, sow the wind, reap the whirlwind, as they say. Which makes sense. Anyway, Trump's re- Trump's week got worse when Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, a national security advisor on the Ukraine, testified before Congress on Wednesday. Lieutenant Colonel Vindman was actually present for the July 25th call that sparked the impeachment inquiry and has caused Trump so much trouble. All roads lead back to impeachment. Well, they kind of have to impeach when they have such a smoking gun as this one. And make no mistake, Vindman provided the Democrats with a pretty big smoking gun. He stated that he he was initially concerned because of how much Trump's aid to the Ukraine seemed to hinge on on his desire for them to investigate Biden, stating that it was wrong to get a foreign government to investigate a U.S. citizen. He attempted to bring this matter to the concern of his superiors at the time, but was told to keep the call secret, which he did, until he was subpoenaed by Congress. Naturally, Trump and his administration wasted no time attempting to vilify the 20-year military veteran who was wounded during the invasion of Iraq. Because, of course, that's what they would do. Of course, yes. Congressman Sean Duffy came out and said, well, you know, he's, he's a real supporter of the Ukrainian national interest. I don't know, I don't know how much he acts, I don't know how, I don't know what his interest in America is. Isn't this also um, the one that um, Trump is trying to say is a never-Trumper? Yes, obviously. Everybody who, could, who possibly has concerns about Trump's blatant criminal conduct in office must have been a never-Trumper. And there's no there's no evidence of this, correct? There is no evidence. There is no evidence of... The lieutenant colonel has, I believe, been fairly close to the chest with his political views, as is standard, as is required for active-duty military, which I understand he still is. That is, yes. Mm-hmm. To be fair... Um, we're, we're bagging on Donald Sr. quite a bit here, but his family got in on the cause bad press for themselves action too. Specifically, Donald Trump Jr. was quoted in, in, in a disastrous interview with Fox News. Who else? He never appears on any news site but Fox these days. That's not true, but I'm not going to stop you. Keep going with your quote and I'll fill you in on what's going on in a minute. Ooh, actually, yeah, I forgot about that. You'll want to hear this, viewers. It's it's extremely juicy. But anyway, back to Donald Trump Jr. and the stupid and the stupid thing he said. Now, specifically, he claimed that his his education at the Hill School in Pennsylvania, a boarding school, had given him a real a real appreciation for the middle for the blue collar life. I don't know about you, but um, I did not go to a, a boarding school. No, yeah. Obviously, this is just a pack of bullshit, but he topped it up later in a tweet by saying, 
gee, I wish my name was Hunter Biden, because then I could trade on my dad's name and make millions off his presidency. So I suppose Don Jr. wins the prize of the least self-aware person in the entire world. And he was competing against me for that. He really was. (laughs) By the way, I believe you have a message regarding Don Jr.'s next set of interviews. Yes, uh, on Friday, November 9th, I believe it is, he will be appearing on The View for the very first time. I've known about this. I've been sitting on it for a while. They announced it last week. Uh, Joey Behar last Friday actually announced it. She was wearing a quid pro quo t-shirt, which was very pointed and very, very much in what she was trying to um, do. And the view audience reacted with boos, to which Joey Behar had to finally break down and say, this is what we do. We have everyone on here. We can't discriminate. Anyway... Your favorite co-hosts will be waiting for that interview with bated breath. Expect... I love how This you... is why you gotta get us a fucking recording space, my man. You said you were gonna do that, so please deliver. Unless you want me to take over even more of your job. I love how you just decided that you're the favorite co-host. I am the favorite co-host. <laughs> anyway, we'll be waiting for that interview with bated breath, but back to the more important news, specifically Donald Trump's threat to remo- to revoke California's f- federal funding for dealing with the wildfires that are currently plaguing it. He he told he said and I quote, Governor Newsom should focus more on proper forestry and we and that, then there wouldn't be so many wildfires. The governor responded by saying, you don't even believe in climate change. You're not a part of this conversation. You know, it's also interesting, um, and this is just me pointing this out, Nancy Pelosi is from San Francisco in California. Yeah, more reason for Trump to hate that state, I guess. Jeez. Man, this fucker is just... This guy's just making so many... I don't really even know what to say here, folks. Uh, Threatening to revoke disaster funding just because you have a political disagreement with the state's leaders would admittedly be entirely on brand for the Trump administration, but it still feels like a new low. I I really wish this guy were out of office so that I could cover other other things. You don't know how much I want to cover other things in this podcast. And we're going to get you to cover those things soon. Yeah, but unfortunately we don't have that much time. There isn't that much time in the day or time in this segment. Speaking of, I believe that about wraps things up for this week. All right. Thank you all so much for listening, as always. And until next time, cheers.